Well, hello, and welcome to In the Growth Space. This is the podcast for business owners and leaders who have a thirst for growth. I just want to say thanks for listening in. My name is David McGlennon, and I am your host. Now, if this is your first time listening in, first of all, welcome. Uh, This podcast is really all about growth, uh, business growth, uh, team growth, personal growth. And today I'm talking with an author, speaker, and executive coach who helps managers and executives lead at their best. He's the CEO of LearnLoft, which is a leadership development company, and his name is John Eads. He was named one of LinkedIn's top voices in management and leadership, where his weekly leadership newsletter has over 200,000 subscribers. He's the author of Building the Best, Eight Proven Leadership Principles to Elevate Others to Success. And he's also the host of the Follow My Lead podcast, which has been downloaded over 700,000 times. His work has been highlighted on Inc.com, CNBC Money, and more. John's been married to his wife, Amy, for over 10 years and he has two wonderful children, John Ellis and Lucy. And he's at, he attended the University of Maryland on a golf scholarship and he plays in competitive tournaments in his spare time. You'll, you'll notice the, uh, the golf references in one of his stories uh, within, the, within the conversation. And, and we really have a, a great conversation about leadership, especially around coaching and being a great coach for others. And if you're part of the Emerging Leader Inner Circle, this is definitely required listening. I'll be back at the end to share some of my thoughts and takeaways from this conversation. So let's get into it now. Well, hey, John, welcome to In the Growth Space. Man, what an honor to have you on the the show today. I'm really thrilled to be here, David. Yeah, thanks so much. I know you've been on your own growth journey, and I'd, I'd love to just kind of hear what got you into leadership. I mean, we've already talked about the fact that on the pre-roll or on the intro that you know you you're an author, you're a speaker, you're into leadership, so you're my kind of guy. And so, like, what got you into that? What was the turning point for you? Well, that's an easy answer: failure, <laughs> uh, failure, big time failure. In fact, David and. I just, I grew up always thinking, always had the courage to lead or to step out and take initiative and take responsibility. But when I got my first opportunity to lead a team Mm. in the workplace, I just assumed that would be good. I assumed I would step in and use that courage. And unfortunately, we're a year and a half, year and a half into building that business and leading that team. And we were just really struggling, struck and stuck in quicksand, as you may say, yeah. uh, just things not going well, people not growing, revenue not going up. And uh, I did what most young emerging leaders do. <laughs> I blamed somebody else. Mm. And I called one of my most expensive team members in my office. And I'll never forget at the end of that meeting, after I let her go, uh, she looked me right in the eyes and she said, John, I didn't know where we were going. Didn't know what we were doing. Didn't know how I was helping us get there. And it just hit me right between the eyes after she left my office that the problem was not her. The problem was me from a leadership perspective. And wow. and I, I to this moment, it still makes me cringe, David, because <laughs> I didn't just fail for myself. I failed for my entire team. Sure. And their their engagement at work and their purpose and what they were doing and them feeling like they were adding value to the world beyond their paycheck. Yeah. And uh, and that was the wake up moment for me. I, I'm I'm a faith based guy. I said, God, I don't know why that just happened, yeah. but I'm going to do everything in my power to not let that happen to other people. And that's how I got into the space. 
I love it. Isn't it amazing how we learn from those failures or the learn from those times when we stub our toes? I mean, I, I think that's for, for any emerging leader, I think that's the key to, to understanding that we don't have to, even if we fail or something doesn't go as planned, that we can use it for a learning moment and learn it yeah. to turn. The yeah, corner. I think anytime you're dealing with pain and that's what that was, Dave, it was yeah. pain for me. Yeah. I mean, I got real tears going. So yeah. it was pain. Yeah. And I think anytime pain happens in your life, you get to make a choice. Are you going to use it for a purpose, for a greater good to propel you forward? Yeah. Or are you going to allow it to make you pause and to be stuck and not move forward? Yeah. And I just decided in that moment that it was going to become a purpose for me versus a pause. And uh, one of my favorite lines that I wrote about in the book is, failure is not final, failure is feedback. Because yeah. In those moments, it's difficult not to think of yourself as a failure and that you're not cut out for it. And that that doubt and that fear creeps in your mind that maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Mm. And if anyone's been leading people for any amount of time, they felt those feelings because leading people is difficult. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's where we get to decide, is this going to be final, this failure, or is it going to propel us forward, forward so we can learn and grow and develop and become a better version of ourselves? And I, I love that. You know, talk a little bit about, you know, that moving on and, and making sure that it's not, it's, it's not permanent. Like how, what was it in your life that really moved you on to, to, because so many people can stay in that failure, right? And then so many people can stay stuck there and go, woe is me. But what was it that kind of kicked your butt to, to, to move out of that? And, and really Well, it's, a, it's, it's interesting because everything in our lives has the potential to kind of stop us in their quicksand, no matter yeah. what it is, a broken marriage, uh, a fight, it's something, uh, getting fired. I mean, some event that happens, but the best thing any of us can do is not look for this really long thing far out, David. Yeah. It's, can I take one step forward today that moves me closer to being in a better spot? Mm. And, and I think that's where, where what I started to realize is that I don't have to uh, figure it all out and be a, an amazing leader tomorrow, but I've got to do one thing today that's going to help myself tomorrow. And I think that's where when you start breaking these, these decisions that we make into really small choices yeah. and they start to compound themselves into habits and then those habits become our results. So yeah. um, there's a concept that I teach is it's called <laughs> the route to results. I love <laughs> route it. to results. Real, yeah. real creative marketing job. <laughs> route it. to results. And the whole idea is that standards, a standard is simply defining what good looks like. Mm -hmm. What we've uncovered is that great leaders don't define what good looks like. Great leaders define what great looks like. Yeah. So we got to define that. what great looks like for us. Mm -hmm. what, did, what does it look like? And then those standards that we set for ourselves or for our teams then become behaviors. Yeah. Behaviors are conscious decisions, David, that we have to make yep. on a day in and day out basis. And then once we make those conscious decisions enough times in a row, some research says between 33 and 66 straight times, then it becomes a habit. Those habits are the subconscious decisions that yep. we make in our we don't have to think, we just make them, like yeah. looking at our phone when we wake up and it's plugged in next to our bed. Yeah. And then once those things are habits, those become the results that we get in our life. So 
if you want to, if anyone out there wants to think about, and I don't like where I am right now, I failed or I'm in a place where I don't like, don't look to that final result. Like I want these results tomorrow. Look to the standards, make small choices every day. Those choices will become a habit. And then those habits will become ultimately the results that you want to get in your life. Man, that's so powerful, John. Thank you for sharing that because I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, man, you, you know, you're speaking my language here, brother. <laughs> it's it's so awesome. Just it it takes just those small incremental things done over and over and over again that lead to habits. And I often talk about that we don't get our goals, we get our habits. And so if we if we want something that we don't have, then we need to change our habits. And I mean, you just spoke to that. And, and I, I love that. Well, I think it also takes I mean, it, it's one of these things where that's why do people not do it is because the culture doesn't tell us that it says we want it right now. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's just not the case. Yeah. We, we look at social media, we look at somebody else, or we look at a great athlete, and we just assume that they just got there overnight, or they never had to overcome anything. And that is far the exception than yeah. the rule, David. Exactly. Uh, so I think that part of that is, I've been thinking a lot about this term self-discipline, because it, it is required. To, yeah. to put these things in place and to, I define it this way, sacrifice what you want now for what you want more later on. It's not easy to do that. I mean, most people aren't just wired to sacrifice the immediacy for something down the road. Mm-hmm. And it often takes someone like yourself or a coach or a boss or a spouse or some event that happened in your life that propels you to make those kind of sacrifices. And uh, so I think self-discipline is an important part of this. And I don't want to overlook it because our our discipline and our self-discipline changes over time based on what's going on in our maturity or our career. So we just, I want more people to give themselves a little bit of grace and, and, and just not, not beat themselves up for not making the self-discipline choices, but just try to not make them two days in a row. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes too, there's seasonalities with our, with our lives, with our leadership and, and even with our growth. I mean, there are, w- when it comes to just that discipline and that self-discipline, sometimes we need to change things up. And, and when we change things up and change those habits or change the way we're looking at the, the actions, the behaviors that are leading to our results, sometimes they have to be tweaked. And, and so it's okay to be able to make changes. And, and I think that that's something that a lot of, a lot of leaders maybe don't understand. That they, I, th- they I think you're right. Yeah. I, I agree. There's a story that comes to mind to me. It's a sports analogy, but there's a professional golfer named Will Zalatoris. Okay. And Will Zalatoris uh, finished second in the Masters this year, almost one really young kid, played his collegiate golf at Wake Forest. But the story behind Will is amazing because from the time he was a little man through high school, through college, he was one of the best ball strikers any college coach had ever seen, but he couldn't putt. (laughs) He just really struggled with the putter. And one day his coach, he was on the putting green. He was, he was working really hard doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That definition of insanity. insanity. Yeah. And his coach, his college coach came over and, and Will was like, I just don't know what I'm doing. And his coach looked at him and he says, I don't know what you should be doing, but I know you've got to try something different. Yeah. And I think to this story, because this coach could have given him the roadmap of what he thought he should be doing. 
But this coach didn't do that. This coach said, look, I know you've got to do something different, but I'm not going to give you the answer. You're going to figure out the answer yourself. And I think it's an incredible example of great coaching. I mean, really great coaching because it can't be easy when your job's on the line. When you know you need that kid to play better and not say, here, do this, this will work. Instead, he said, you just have to do something different. You'll figure it out. And, you know, few years later, here he is almost winning the Masters. It's a, it's really incredible. That's a, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that it, it illustrates a couple of points, but I, I, well, the one point I want you to, to, to kind of key in on is coaching because that coaching, not telling somebody what to do, but letting them know that, look, you got to do something else. What do you think? What are some options here? I mean, I think those are the things that lead to the greatest growth. And obviously, he made some changes and it worked. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah. It, it worked. You know, this is the topic that we teach the most and I'm most passionate about right now, which yeah. is uh, people acting like a coach to others. Now, yeah. yes, professional coaches are amazing and I love that opportunity. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. Group coaching is amazing. But there's something about someone putting on their coaching hat whether they think of themselves as a professional coach or they're a manager or they're emerging leader, yeah. um, people need somebody else to help them get where they're trying to go. Yeah. And, I, and I define coaching this way uh, in Coaching for Excellence, which is helping somebody else to choose excellence. I mean, really letting them say, not only telling them where they are, but to get them to where they're trying to go or wait for David, where they need to go. Mm, Yeah. Because not everybody knows where they want to go. Yeah. I mean, I think back to when I was mid twenties, early thirties, even mid thirties, I didn't always know exactly where I wanted to go. So if someone was going to coach me, I might need some guidance to say, look, this is where your potential is. Yeah. So it might not be where I want to go, but it might be where I need to go for a team or for an organization. When more people put that coaching hat on yeah, and they help someone get from where they are to where they want or need to be and to help them choose excellence, that's when careers change. It's when lives change, David. Right, right. It's when families change. It's when relationships change. Yeah, man, John, so, so agree. You know, it's so funny that you're talking about this right now, because as we are recording this, we are in my emerging leader inner circle, we're actually talking about and actually helping them to be better coaches to each other, peer coaches, leader coaches, and, and being able to bring the value of coaching. So, man, I'm so, so glad that you brought this out because I'm going to make them listen to this because it's not just me preaching to them, right? <laughs> Well, there are some things. I mean, there's some things that it's one thing to say, I want to do it. Yeah. It's another thing to put the action behind it. Right. And there are a few things I think are really important uh, for anybody listening to think about. Um, And I'm going to highlight two things because uh, as you think about yourself as a coach, our research indicates that great coaches bring three things in every single interaction with one of the, with somebody else that they're trying to coach or help them get from where they are to where they want or need to be. Yeah. A- and the first of those three attributes is listening. Mm-hmm. I mean, really 
attentively listening to what's going on. Uh, it, as one of my mentors says, hearing is with, with your ears, listening is with your mind. And I, Mon, you can say that, but do you do that really? No. Uh, listening, that, that idea of really being an effective listener with your mind and being fully present in a conversation is really critical. The second attribute that we see consistently across the board is that they have wisdom to share. I think the old school days of coaching is, let me just ask you some really great questions and let you solve your own problems. And that is amazing. Just like Will Zalatoris's coach did. Okay. Yeah. But to not think that we're going to bring real wisdom from our experience to help somebody think differently, David, is it's kind of stinking thinking, you know, it's like, yeah, people, people probably want your help and advice to get where you're trying to go. So don't be afraid to listen really attentively, ask great questions, and then provide some real wisdom where your experience and expertise could help them get where they're trying to go. So just thinking of that, that model where it's like, can I listen really effectively? And do I have wisdom to share? Those are two really important attributes of an effective coach. Yeah, man. So right on. So right on. And that idea and that that skill of listening, man, it's so hard. It's so hard for a lot of people because we have so many distractions in our world today. And, and it kind of makes me think about how did you get that skill? How did you become a, you know, a great coach? How did you become a great listener? I think it comes down to one word, which is curiosity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not really curious, if you're only thinking about yourself and what's going on in your walk and in your world, yeah. it's going to be really hard to be an effective listener or in that matter of an effective coach, because you're only going to be thinking about your own needs or what's going on in your world or what's in best case for John or for David. And yeah. the best coaches don't think like that. They're thinking about the person that they're trying to help get from where they are to where they're trying to be. So yeah. So by its nature, I think curiosity becomes a, a power, like a mm -hmm. power skill, David, yeah. because if you're really curious about someone, not just, not just a check the box activity, like you're at some kind of bar, just asking the standard questions, but yeah. really getting to the center of, you know, how you got to where you are and what, what made you this way and what are your core values? I mean, those are like real legitimate human questions that after this whole pandemic, who doesn't want to talk about that stuff? Right, right. Yeah. So exactly. I think curiosity. And I and I think sometimes as I know you're a parent and yeah. so am I, it's okay to be patient yeah. with that as well. Yeah. I mean kids are obviously curious, but I think most high school, teenage, college the exception is people that are really curious. They're, they're kind of into themselves and what's going on and thinking they know it all. So being really patient with people to, to highlight how important curiosity is and letting them kind of grow into that curiosity. Yeah, man, I, I love that. So speaking of curiosity, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hugely curious. And, and so I would love to hear from you what What's been other than what you shared, you know, earlier on your your early like failure, but that, that that turned you into seeing the value of leadership. How do you continue to grow? And what's what's like your what's your secret sauce, so to speak, for your own personal growth and and your own leadership growth? There's something uh, that I not only teach but I commit to every single day, which is called Growth Twenty. 
Mm, tell me about that. And all growth 20 is, is that for 20 minutes a day, can I do one thing mm. to grow this thing upstairs? Yeah. yeah right <laughs> because I, I, I tell my kids this all the time. <laughs> I say, change your mindset, change your life. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and I think part of this goes back to, I wasn't in growth mode for many years. I had mm. one priority, which was John and playing better golf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, I wasted so many opportunities to learn and grow through college and high school and, and even afterwards. So when that, when I started to see what education and really investing in it could do for myself and for others, it was like a light bulb went off. Mm. And so growth 20 is, can I get in that habit, that standards, behaviors, habits become results? 20 minutes a day, I'm doing something to grow my mind. And that could mm. be reading a book. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be listening to Bible in a year with, with Father Mike. Yeah. It's my man. Um, but so I'm doing something every single day. And, and sometimes it's not always a book or a podcast. Occasionally, I'll even watch a show or something that would be looked at as entertainment. Mm -hmm. But I'm not just doing it for entertainment. I'm also looking for lessons in it that I can apply in my own life. And I'll give you a really tangible example of this. Cool. I was with my nine-year-old last weekend and it was just the two of us. And I said, it was a Sunday, Saturday afternoon. I said, why don't we watch a movie? He goes, love it. And so we found this movie on Netflix and it was, it was about a, uh, a man that was running an orphanage in Mexico and they're running out of money and they enter this fishing tournament with this guy. It was a pretty hokey story, but it's based <laughs> on a true story. And the, the whole movie ended up being about character. Hmm. And here I was able to, in this one and a half hour kind of corny movie, share this lesson, not only a reminder to me, but with my son that character is doing what's right, even when no one's looking. And so some might look at that as an opportunity to just waste an hour and a half, but that was my growth 20. It just happened to be an yeah. hour and 50 minutes that day. I love it. <laughs> and so I, I look, I think everybody, yeah, just like listening to this right now, or just like mm -hmm. go, you can look for opportunities to learn and grow and develop or share best practices in anything that you consume. Yeah, man, that's so great. Yeah, and sharing best practices. I, I love that you mentioned that. I want to shift gears on you for just a second because I know that you've written a book, Building the Best, and, and I'd love for you to talk about that. What, what led you to write that book? And just like talk a little bit about the, the, the why about that book. Well, I'm happy to talk about the book, but I'll go, I'll go inside the book when you ask why I did it because yeah. it's my favorite principle in the book. Okay. And I studied a leader, a, a lot of leaders, but two leaders really stand out. One is a CEO named Jason Lippert, and he's the CEO of a company called Lippert Components based out of Ohio area. Mm -hmm. And this man, Jason Lippert, went through a personal transformation in this engineering and manufacturing world where it used to be a, a culture of show up, shut up, put up and get out. Yeah. And he knew there had to be more. Mm -hmm. And he, and he saw this video called Truly Human Leadership by Bob Chapman. It was Oh my gosh, my hero. And, he, and it was that video that got Jason saying, I have to start leading this organization different. Mm. And I wrote about Jason's journey in the book and Lippert components and all the things that they're doing. 
And then there's a CEO in the Charlotte, North Carolina area of a company called Movement Mortgage. <laughs> and his name is Casey Crawford. And if he was a former NFL player turned CEO of a, one of the fastest growing mortgage companies in the world. But this man believes in leadership like nothing I've ever seen. And he lives it out to a level that I've never seen. Mm. And when, I, when you see people like Jason and Casey that not only change their own lives because they care about leadership, but they change the lives of yeah. thousands and yeah. thousands and thousands of other people all because they personally transform themselves and the way that they think about leadership. Mm. It's like, who wouldn't want to write a book about that? Right. <laughs> I mean, I and it. there's a principle in it that's my favorite. And it's, it says, people persevere because of purpose, not pay. People persevere because of purpose, not pay. And Jason and Casey are two of the most purpose-driven leaders I've ever seen. Mm, wow. And when you start thinking about that, yeah. like, do you want to go to work or be a part of an organization that's doing something that is changing the world or making an impact on people beyond just the amount of money that they get back for the services that they provide? I mean, yeah. who wouldn't want to go to work for someone like that? And that's the way um, that book's it's meant a lot to me because... There's something, David, about sharing other leaders' stories to inspire people just like Bob Chapman did. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hope if one leader found inspiration from building the best, uh -huh. then it was worth all the time, the energy, and the effort to do it. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah, thanks for asking me. Yeah. No, Project man. Project you hear a lot about. Yeah, I love it, man. I, I love it, especially to hear the, the story behind the the what what led you to the creative work that you did and the the work that you did because i think that when we understand the why we 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 get to know the person better and we get to know the kind of the scene behind the scenes yeah just just the behind the scenes part helps us to be able to be better and and understand like the book better and understand yeah how he came to write it i, I love that yeah and i mean i look it does, no one's saying money is not important it is i mean that's yeah. the only way organizations thrive and can make a big impact and yeah. it, it is important but it, it's like that old research of people on their deathbed i mean they just they're not talking about the money they made they're talking yeah. about the impact they had and the relationships that they created and and it's yeah. not it's not a popular thing to talk about today but when you think of yeah. casey and you think of jason yeah. and you think about their impact yeah they, they've made a lot of money in their lives yeah it's going so much deeper than that mm -hmm. and for any young and emerging leader out there thinking of things in that perspective in the long term and making an impact on people's lives it's something you'll never ask back mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure you actually just touched on something that made me think um, about the difference between being a leader and being a manager. You and I are aligned on this. And so talk a little bit about that difference and what it is that like creates a leader and, and what separates a leader from like the, the manager. Well, the, the funny thing about this question is it's been, it's, you know, it's been around for 40 years. Right, right. You know? 
I mean, and I think, look, if you really get down to the the center of it, I think uh, management is an activity that people do and leadership is something that someone is based on their actions. Yeah. So yeah. there, and, and a lot of it is it's earned. Management tends to be given because I have a position or I'm given some responsible responsibility that I have to do as a part of my job yeah. where leadership is, is earned based on what you do and the actions that you exhibit for other people. Yeah. I share a, a definition of leadership in the book and it goes like this, David, someone whose actions inspire empower and serve in order to elevate others mm, when you that. think of the definition that way mm. someone who's action oriented mm-hmm. and they inspire which which literally means to breathe life into mm-hmm. that's what the word means yeah I love and it. how many times people leave work and they feel like the, they got the life sucked right out of them by their boss now it doesn't mean Work is meant to be easy. Okay? Right, right. Exactly. Work is hard. It, yeah. Solving problems is hard. And mm-hmm. depending on the line of work someone's in, it doesn't mean it's going to be some cakewalk. Yeah. But it also doesn't mean that you got to leave cursing your boss as you walk out the door. Right. Can you breathe life into someone? Yeah. The next is to empower, which literally means to help people make decisions. Mm-hmm. To empower them to make decisions where the information is. is uh, a lot of managers really struggle with this because of they're micromanagers by nature and they need to know everything. Mm. When in fact, like we're going to have a lot more successful organizations. We're going to solve a lot of problems better when it's, when it's bottom up, not top down. And then lastly, that ability to serve, to put other people's needs ahead of your own. And, and this is hard because we're not wired that way. (laughs) We're wired. We're wired about thinking about number one. Yeah. And um, I'll I'll maybe close with this story. I, I love this story. General Mattis was running a branch of the military. And every year, his friend Krulak, would, him and his wife would bake cookies on Christmas Eve and they would give out these cookies on Christmas Day. One day, Christmas morning, Krulak gets up. He hits Quantico first, 4.30 in the morning. He's got fresh baked cookies. He walks in and he sees the lieutenant. And he says, who's the, the general on duty? And the lieutenant colonel says, it's General Mattis. Krulak says, no, like, who's the guy that slept in that cot over there? And Lieutenant Colonel said, General Mattis, I just told you. Just about that time, Mattis walks through the door and he looks at his friend Krulak and Krulak says, what are you doing here on Christmas morning at 4.30 a.m.? Krulak says, I mean, Mattis says to Krulak, the the officer that was scheduled to be on duty has young kids and I thought he should be home on Christmas morning with his family. Mm. And I can only take it to mean this, that I work for them and not the other way around. I put their needs out of my own, not the other way around. And so when you inspire and you empower and you serve, you'll be on your way to elevating other people. And that is the key to successful leadership today. Yeah, gosh, thank you for sharing that story. That is so powerful. And and it really does illustrate the fact that uh, leadership is really service. Uh, I thank you for sharing that. John, I I know you've given of your time today and and I really, really appreciate your generosity with that. And I know that you're an author and a speaker and you do a lot of coaching as well. Tell people how they can get in touch with you. And, and if they want to uh, know more, I know you do a lot of work too, training. Uh, how, how do people get connected with you? 
I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me. Learnloft.com is the best place. We're an organization. We help managers and executives to lead their best. We have programs for B2C individuals or individuals on their own. We also partner with HR and L&D leaders to power the leadership development programs in the organization. Uh, so that's the best place, John. Yeah. And then LinkedIn's where we share our most ideas. I decided a long time ago, I better just pick one because yep. I have ADD and I'm all over the <laughs> place. Uh, but my, my social media team is all over me about Instagram. So I'm, I'm trying to do both a little bit better. Yeah. So John Eads on all those places. Love it, man. Yeah. And, I, and for those listening, make sure that when you connect with John, uh, especially on LinkedIn, um, sign up for his newsletter. Um, I mean, it's huge. I don't know however many hundreds of thousands of people that are that are uh, subscribed, but great stuff, man. He, he, he shares great leadership um, lessons, great leadership articles on there. And so I really encourage you to, to get connected with John. And, and um, so, John, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're more than welcome. I, I'll kind of... It just makes me think when you say that. I just would like to leave your audience with one uh, encouraging message. When I first started writing on LinkedIn, David, uh, this was right when the platform kind of anyone could write on it uh, almost eight years ago, I guess now. And the first 10 articles I wrote, I'm not even sure my wife wrote it, read it. I know my mom didn't read it. I mean, it was almost embarrassing how few people read uh, the ideas that we were sharing. But I committed to it as a as a medium to help leaders. And yeah. when you look at it now, eight years later, to have you know almost two hundred thousand people subscribe to a newsletter, it just for anyone out there that they're thinking of giving up or they're thinking of quitting, mm. like stay really consistent, yeah, and persevere when it's tough or when no one's reading or when no one's looking at it because. If you're on mission, if you're doing work that matters to you, that you believe you're called to do, you've got to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I mean, that brings it full circle, right? Because you talked about being consistent and doing those things, just the one little thing over and over and over again. Man, beautiful, beautiful. John, Thank thanks so much uh, for being, being on, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, I am so grateful for this conversation with John. He really brought out some great teaching. And there's a couple of things for me that really stood out. First, I, I loved his story of the golfing coach who used really great coaching to help that golfer come up with really the answers to their, their, their putting issues. And that's great coaching. You know, as leaders, we need to remember that coaching is about listening, which is what John talked about. And, and it's also about asking great and curiosity-based questions. The other thing that I got from this conversation was the value of consistency. I really loved John's growth 20 practice of, of doing one thing every day for 20 minutes to help him grow and, and looking for those opportunities to grow every day because leadership and, and, and growth is a daily pursuit. It's, it's, really, it's not an overnight one and, it, and we can't just magically make it happen. We have to look for daily opportunities. It's a, it's a persistence kind of a deal. And, and leadership is really about growth of ourselves and our people and, and being a servant to those in our charge. So if you're a leader and, and you think just because you have the title of a leader, that doesn't mean that you're a leader. We have to be looking for ways that we can serve those who are in our charge. We have to be committed and we have to be consistent, which I believe are really two things that lead to success. And, and that's exactly what John was, was saying here as well. 
Now, before we go, let me just mention that if you're an emerging and rising leader or you may have a team, you're going to want to come to our Emerging Leader Inner Circle Summit that's coming up in December in Pittsburgh. You're not going to want to miss this experience. We don't have the date firmed up yet. However, if you want to get on the wait list and be sure uh, that you're notified first, go to davidmcglennon.com forward slash E-L-I-C Summit. That's all one word. DavidMcLennon.com forward slash E-L-I-C Summit. And you'll get your name uh, added to the waitlist, and you'll be first to notify outside of our Emerging Leader Inner Circles members when the date is and and who some of our speakers and facilitators are uh, that we're that we're lining up right now. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and and give us a, a rating and review. And and I've really got some cool guests coming up. And and actually next week I'm going to be talking with one of our members of Emerging Leader Inner Circles and his. His name is Andy Matheny. He's got an amazing story and he's on a great, great journey of leadership growth. And, and I can't wait to bring that story to you. But until next time, stay in that growth space and be well. 